Hello there, this is Pastor Jerry Roberts, Word of Victory Church. So grateful that you're tuning in with us today, uh, whether you're listening by uh, uh, podcast or you're watching Vimeo, uh, Roku, whatever it is you're watching. We just appreciate you uh, connecting with us and listening in, watching in on us. And we give uh, God praise for that. We're thankful uh, to you to do this, take the time to do that. Uh, we're standing right now in the midst of an empty sanctuary because of basically it was it's the law right now. Uh, they've asked us to not have gatherings of over 25, and so uh, we have opted to go ahead and follow that. It's not really how I'm wired. I prefer not to, to, to do this. It's kind of hard to have somebody tell you that you can't have service. Uh, but out of respect to our president and other elected, elected officials, uh, we have uh, opted to go ahead and do that. And also out of respect uh, to our parishioners here at Word of Victory, um, this uh, nasty virus from hell uh, supposedly preys on the weak and the elderly. And uh, so uh, out of respect to our congregation, out of respect to uh, what we call them around here, our golden vessels, uh, we have uh, opted to follow that and, and to do, its, uh, do our part. Amen. Um, so uh, I do know this, that uh, our golden vessel would rather be here. I know my congregation would rather be in here. And uh, so for that, I'm appreciative, uh, but out of respect uh, to everybody, that's why we're doing what we're doing. And again, we're thankful uh, that you're listening in. This here, uh, we've purposed in our heart to uh, continue to at least bring the Word of God to you. And uh, we got a lot of folks that are listening and watching, so we want to make sure that every week we're still doing what we're called to do. And uh, again, I'd like to bring thanks to all of our staff and everything that they're doing, all the little extras that they're doing, because uh, their work did not stop. It kept going. In fact, if anything, it probably increased for them. And uh, we still got to maintain everything, move things forward, and that's, that's, what we're, that's why we're here. So we're doing what we can to bring a message to you uh, week in and week out here. So anyway, again, thank you uh, for listening in, tuning in with us. Praise God. I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello again, this is Pastor Jerry Roberts at Word of Victory Church. Hey, uh, even though that the sanctuary is empty and uh, I'm standing here by myself uh, ministering to you other than some, uh, some of my workers here back here running equipment, um, I still am called by God to do a full service. And so about this time, usually before I minister the Word, uh, we take up an offering here at Word of Victory Church. We usually have it a part of our worship, so usually there's a worship team up here and We've got ourselves a basket up here that people uh, bring forward and honor God and worship God with their giving. And so uh, that's kind of how we do it around here. So I felt in my heart, I'm, since it is a Sunday message, I'm going to go ahead and, and follow through with that and just uh, do what we normally do here. And so I'm going to come at you with a reference out of uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And it says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now earlier he referred to it as the blessing of Abraham. And so the blessing of Abraham, if you go back into Genesis, it says this in Genesis 12, that I will make you a great nation, 
I will bless you. That's what, that's what God said to Abraham. I will make you a great nation or a mighty people. I will bless you or empower you and make your name great or mighty, and you shall be a blessing, which that word blessing refers to, uh, to present and to liberate. It means even to prevent, in other words, to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. So bottom line, what it says here is that he was blessing Abraham to be a blessing. In other words, God was going to empower him, bless him, so he could turn around and bless others or empower others, praise God. Proverbs 10 brings this out. It says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow with it. So when the blessing's intact, there's no sorrow. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it just makes you, it empowers you, it strengthens you, it, it, it makes you rich, it says in that reference, praise God. So I'm here today just to encourage you to uh, continue with your uh, continual faithful support. For those of, of Word of Victory Church, uh, I want to tell you, praise God, that this is still your church. We're still here, we're still going, we're still maintaining a facility, we're still maintaining staff, we still got things that we're doing. So I'm just going to ask for your continual and faithful support. For those that are, uh, you know, that are tithing, we appreciate your tithe and ask you to continue to bring your tithes to the house of the Lord. Praise God. You can bring it here. You, could, uh, you can mail it by snail mail or you can do it online. And for those out, out and about, we got people all over the world. We're literally right now over 125 nations are either listening or watching in. Somebody in, in those nations are listening or watching in right now. And we appreciate all and everybody that's connecting with us right now. And we just ask this, if we're being a blessing to you, well, hey, get on board, partner with us, praise God, send a love gift, send an offering, a one-time love gift if you want to, amen. There's no pressure, but at the same time, if we're being a blessing to you, praise God, sow a seed toward it, praise God. We'd love to hear from you, amen. So anyway, if you got your seed, if for whoever's watching or, or listening right now, grab, uh, if, you know, if you got your your seed in hand, we kind of do that here at Word of Victory. We take that seed, we kind of hold it, and what we do is we pray over it, pray over it as a congregation. So I'm going to go ahead and just uh, act as if you're right there right now holding your seed, and I'm going to pray for you, praise God. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise for the blessing. We give you praise, hallelujah, that we're walking in the blessing. I thank you, Lord God, for the faithful and committed support of this people, their commitment to you, their willingness to honor you with their increase, to honor you with their substance. And so, Lord, we stand on the promises of God right now for them. We thank you, Lord God, for the tither, that the windows of heaven are open over them. Literally, unstopped is what that word says. It, the windows of heaven are unstopped over them. That the blessing of God is being poured out in abundance more than enough, praise God. Overwhelming them, overtaking them, praise God. And that the devourer has been rebuked so he'll not steal from their fields any longer. We thank you for that promise. We thank you, Lord God, for those given offerings. Those that are maybe sowing right now maybe, uh, from around the nation, around the world, praise God. And we give thanks right now for that seed being sown. We thank you, Lord, hallelujah, that all grace abounds toward them, that they always have all sufficiency in all things, and they have an abundance for every good work. We thank you, Lord, that when they give, it comes back pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto them. So, Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for our harvest. We're thankful for our inheritance, that we inherit wealth, that it fills our treasuries. 
that we walk in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Praise God. Hallelujah. We inherit the land and dwell in it forever. So we're thankful for our inheritance. And Lord, we're thankful for the fullness of the blessing, praise God, in complete manifestation. That we're blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in our homes, in our seed, in our cupboards, hallelujah, blessed in our fields, our herds. Lord, when the enemies come at us one way, they're fleeing seven and they're defeated before our very face. We thank you, Lord, you've commanded a blessing on our storehouses and on all to which we place our hands in the land with which you're given us. You've declared us a holy people, revered and respected, and even feared by some because of what we stand for and who we stand with. We thank you, Lord God, we're the lenders and not the borrowers, that we owe no man nothing but, uh, uh, but, but love, praise God. So I thank you for debt cancellations, debt eliminations, early payoffs. Lord God, we're standing in agreement with our, our people, praise God, that they walk free from debt. And we thank you that we're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Call you blessed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, praise God. Since we don't have a worship team, I'm just going to kind of dive right into the word. Get after this. Praise God. We have uh, been uh, ministering to you this year uh, concerning identity. The Spirit of God said early on, said actually the tail end of last year, that as we come into 2020, uh, that one of the things that I was to do was to minister on identity. In fact, his phrase to me was that they need to begin to identify with their true identity, praise God. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been uh, every week coming at you, talking about identity, knowing who we are in Christ, not only who we are, but whose we are. So knowing who we are, who our God is, and with that then you got to also know who your enemy is. If you can understand those three things, I guarantee you most of life's questions can be answered, praise God. So uh, knowing who we are. Now what we've been doing the last month is we've been talking about uh, what I refer to as identity crisis. And of course that's going to make sense as we dive into our first text here. But uh, talking really about eliminating fear in our lives. And of course, you know, we started into that about, like I said, a month back. And uh, of course, you know, a couple weeks back, all of a sudden this whole virus thing uh, sprung up. So we felt in our heart just to keep ministering some more on the removing of fear in our life. Now, the reason we want fear gone is because it, it attacks our confidence. It, it somehow disengages our confidence in who we are and whose we are. And so that's why we're, we're really attacking this thing and dealing with this thing uh, called fear and trying to get it out of our lives. And so with that said, we're going to go first to 1 John chapter 4 is our text. 1 John chapter 4, please. I'll get turned to it here. And I'm going to come at you first out of verse 15 is where we'll start. Verse 15. And it says this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God then what? Abides or remains or continues or takes residence in Him. In other words, in the one that confesses Jesus as the Son of God. In other words, those that accept Christ, it says then that God then abides in them. And it says, and that He in God. In other words, the individual that's received Christ not only has God in them, but that individual abides or remains 
in Him, is positioned in Him. In fact, the Scripture says, amen, that you've been raised up together with Him. You've been seated together with Him in heavenly places. That's a positioning. So He's positioned in you and you're positioned in Him. Now that's all right there talking about identity because you're a child of God. That's what makes you the overcomer, the conqueror. Why? Because He resides on the inside of you. That's why it makes you a part of the family of God because you reside in Him. You're a part of the household of faith, amen, of a whole different kingdom, amen, a whole different family because you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, praise God. So it goes on then in verse 15, or probably verse 16, that we have known and believed the love that God has for us God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, it just kind of takes it up a notch. First, it says, knowing and believing in the love that God has for us. But then it defines it, God himself is love. He's agape. He's that unconditional, benevolent God, a God of a giving God. Amen. And it says that same thing that it said in verse 15, except it, it jumped it up a notch. It says that he is love. And that love abides in you and you abide in love. All right? So it's just trying to, it's trying to define some, trying to expand it a little bit. That you can, you can say, I'm in God, God's in me. But now we're taking it up and not saying that we're in love. We're in agape and agape's in us, praise God. Amen. So it says to know him and to believe in that love that he has for you. Now, again, we're talking identity, okay? A God that's with you. A God that's for you, a God that's in you, a God in whom you're in. Amen. We're one together, praise God. And we abide in love. In other words, we abide or remain or dwell in Mr. Love himself, and Mr. Love himself remains or abides in us, praise God. Now, there's a reason for that, because then when he, he begins to talk about in verse 17, that love has been perfected among us. All right. Now, the word perfected means made complete or whole. Uh, maybe a good definition here or synonym for this is fully formed. So love has been perfected or fully formed among us in this. Why? Why does it need to be? Because it says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That we may have boldness or confidence. In other words, that love has been fully formed in us so we can have confidence, so we can have boldness. And it says, in the day of judgment. Now, a lot of times, uh, you know, we've said that from week to week. Uh, a lot of folks read that, speed read that, and they think about it's talking about someday in the sweet by and by, someday when we go to heaven. But I'm telling you, you ain't going to need confidence when you get to heaven. All right, you ain't going to need the boldness when you get to heaven. All right, so it's talking about in the sweet uh, here and now, all right? So the word day, as in the day of judgment, uh, himera is the Greek word, which means anything from a single day to literally years. It's referring to a period of time or a moment uh, of time, all right? So this day or moment or period of, of time, this day of judgment, which is the word uh, crisis or what we get our word crisis from, so this is why I call this identity crisis, because the word crisis means decision. And that refers to for or against. So it's just making a choice, making a decision. All right. So what it's talking about in the day of judgment or the day of pressure is where we got to make choices. We got to make decisions. It's actually in the day of judgment that we find out where you're at. 
we find out where you stand. So now we get back to this thing about this love that's being perfected in you. So you have to understand that now we're going to find out to what degree that the love of God is perfected in you. What degree is love fully formed in you? Because that's going to determine how much confidence or assurance or boldness that you're going to have in your moment of crisis, your day of judgment or decision, whatever it is that you're up against at the moment. And of course, uh, you know, in context, we're going to talk about fear here, but this is applied to about any area. But then it goes on to say in this verse 17, a little bit further, it says uh, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, the word he, H-E, he, okay, most people read that thing, it's talking about Jesus, but the word he is not even in the text, okay, it's not in any, you can go and look at it in the Greek, you can read it through interlinears, anything you want, you're not going to find that in there. But what it does say is that because, it says here, because as that is, or as this is, so are we in this world, in, 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 the, in where we live and conduct life, live life. So it's referring to, to the degree that love has been perfected in you, to the degree that love is fully formed in you, to the degree, we could even say, to the degree that you have a revelation of the love that God has for you, the revelation maybe that uh, you being in him and him in you will determine, see, how this operates in your life here on planet Earth, here in the world. See, no matter what you're up against and dealing with, at that moment, we're going to find out, you know, do you really believe that God loves you? Do you really believe that you're in him and he's in you? Do you really believe and have confidence in who you are in Christ? that you're the overcomer, that you're the conqueror? Do you really believe that God would never leave you nor forsake you? Do you really believe, amen, that you're a child of the Most High, that the creator of the ends of the earth would never turn his back on you? Now, to the degree that that's formed in you or that you believe in that will determine how you respond to whatever moment of, of, of crisis, whatever uh, day or period of pressure that you're under, will, it will determine how you respond to it. So that's what it's bringing out here. All right. So verse 18 then says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. In other words, to the, that, that love fully formed will cast out fear. There is no fear, no fear in love. There is no fear in love. The interlinear Bible says it this way, fear not is in love. In other words, that's what has been encoded or encrypted uh, in, in, in love itself, in its DNA. In other words, when love's on the scene, there is no fear. Fear has to, it's gone. It just, there is absolutely no fear. All right? So that's why it has to get fully formed in you. Because to the degree that it's formed in you determines the level of, of fear that can operate around you. And for whatever it's worth, fear uh, tolerated is faith contaminated. Okay, so you got to get fear gone. All right? So here we go. It says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love or fully formed love casts out fear. Now, I use this as an example, I, at least a week or so, uh, talking about, you know, the area of, of light. When, uh, when, if this room, if the lights were off in this room, um, 
this room, because it really doesn't have a lot, a lot of uh, outside natural light that comes into it, that once the lights are out in this room, it's pretty dark in here. Now, if I ask, okay, now turn on the lights, and then they kick on the lights, and all the lights come on, I don't have to stand here and try to command darkness to leave. I don't have to try to, uh, you know, point my finger at dark and tell it to get out of the room. It just automatically leaves when the lights come on. Well, see, fear and love operate the same way. When love, when fully formed love is on the scene, in other words, to the degree that you believe in that love, trust in that love, amen, understand who you are in love and who he is in you, amen, that to the degree that operates, fear automatically goes. It has to go. It has no option. It has to go. So that's why we got to get love fully formed in us, get love perfected in us, amen. So fear has to go. We don't sit and play around with fear. We don't tolerate fear. In fact, the rest of this verse then, in verse 18, goes on to say, because fear involves torment. The word torment means penal uh, infliction or punishment. In other words, imprisonment. Okay? Fear involves torment or imprisonment. When fear is on the scene, it will imprison you. Another phrase that's used in Hebrews 2 and, and Romans 8, it talks about your, uh, that when fear is uh, around, when fear is uh, on the scene, it says you're subject to bondage. Okay, that word bondage means liable to slavery. It means um, to be a slave to, to be in service to. It means literally to give the lead to. In other words, when fear is on the scene, it's imprisonment, it's slavery, see, it's bondage. See, it literally means that when fear comes, when fear is allowed on the premises, when fear is allowed in your life, when fear is allowed in your marriage, when fear is allowed in your family, when fear is allowed in your business or in your financial situation, when fear is allowed in the area of your health, and wholeness, especially with what we're talking about now, about the fact that, that this coronavirus or whatever, this, this virus from hell, whatever you want to call it, is regard, it has to bow the knee. But when you let fear dictate, when you let fear somehow in, in the room, then guess what? It grabs the steering wheel. It begins to determine. It takes the lead. See, when you let fear in the house, it'll bump you out of the master bedroom and decide it's, that's where it's going to live. When you let fear in the car, it, it's who takes over the, the steering wheel. When you let fear uh, on the scene, uh, it begins to all of a sudden automatically break down your immune system because it's dictating your health. That's why we're attacking this. That's why we're taking week after week and dealing with this because fear has got to go. You cannot manage fear. There's no way to manage bondage. you got to cast it out. You can't cope with fear. Now, let's again look at what fear is, okay? What is fear? Fear is defined. It's actually the Greek word phobos, where we get our word phobia, okay? It means anxiety. It means worry. It means dread or panic. It means apprehension or insecurity. All of these are forms of fear. And you can't manage these things. You don't manage anxiety. 
You don't cope with anxiety. You don't cope with worry because anytime you just cope with it, then pretty soon it takes the lead. Pretty soon you're imprisoned. Pretty soon you're under slavery. You're under its thumb. When all along, it's supposed to be under you. But it'll take the lead. Whenever you allow panic and dread, and, and most people might, you know, especially when we're talking about fear, they might say, well, yeah, fear, panic, dread, dread. I mean, they may look at that and say, yeah, okay, I get that. But then when it comes time to anxiety and worry, they kind of dismiss it. Or, or apprehension and insecurity, okay? You're apprehensive. You're insecure about something. So we think, well, that's, that's not a big deal. So we go ahead and cope with that instead of conquer it. We allow it to, to, again, come in and now take the lead. So instead of being perfected in love in that area and trusting that God has got your back and trusting the fact that you're in him and he's in you, here you are now uh, coming under fear in an area of your life that you got no business coming under. All because we're just coping with it. Now, I'm hitting it pretty heavy and hard here because of where I got to go today with this, this message. So again, back to verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But here we go. But he who fears, in other words, if there's any level of fear, any of this, worry, anxiety, apprehension, uh, you know, uh, insecurity, panic, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. You, you plug that in there. He who fears has not been made perfect or fully formed in love. That's just how it comes down to it. So if we got fear in any way, somewhere along the line, we got to go back and get a revelation about God's got your back in that area, that God is love, that, that Mr. Love himself, amen, is with you. He will not forsake you. Amen, that you're, you're an overcomer. You've been blood-bought. You're, you're, you're chosen. You're accepted. Uh, you're, you're a new creation in Christ. All of these things is who you are in Christ because of the fact that you're in him and he's in you, praise God. And to the degree that you have insight or fully formed in that will determine how you're going to conduct life on day-to-day basis. And we're really going to find it out in our moments of pressure or, or that period of, of indis, uh, that period of uh, decision making, whether yay or nay, whatever. It just matters that in that moment we're going to find out where you stand. So you may say, "Well, I don't like that." Well, uh, tough. I mean, that's kind of how it is. That's how you determine whether you're really believing this or not. You're in faith or not. There's no condemnation. We're not standing here condemning anybody. We're not standing here, uh, you know, uh, holding something against you. There ain't a person on the planet that doesn't have to deal with this stuff. We all have to deal with it. Now, hopefully you as a child of God, that the more insight, the more you're learning as, as the, the word of God is taught and preached to you, and the more that you hear it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And pretty soon that confidence, that assurance, that boldness begins to rise. And man, you're trusting the fact that you are who he says you are. Amen. That you have a God that will not leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And this is the way it's supposed to work. That's why we keep coming at you, keep talking to you about it. Praise the Lord. That's why you keep dialing in, you keep listening in. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Now I'm just believing you're all back there saying praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I guess I preached myself happy. Hallelujah. Now we did uh, 
Several weeks back, um, we started into this, dealing with this. We talked about different fears. We talked about the fear of death. We talked about the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown. Uh, even, you know, the fear of darkness, the fear of the dark is really the fear of the unknown, okay? Because you don't, you're not sure what's, what's in there, what's, what's going on, what's going to touch you, what's going to grab your foot, you know, whatever. Hallelujah. The fear of lack was something we talked about, amen, about not having enough, the fear of man. Uh, so no matter what... The body says, your body, your, your physical body, what the doctor may say, no matter what the circumstance may say, no matter what the pressure may say, no matter what the, your pocketbook may say, no matter, matter what other people may say, amen, we're called to walk free from fear. We don't cope. See, if any of those things, any one of those things begins to somehow get to you and you find yourself wavering, you find yourself being hesitant, you find yourself up and down, so to speak. You find yourself insecure. You don't play patty cake with this. You deal with it. You deal with this stuff. Because the more you play patty cake with it, as I said earlier, you can't cope. You can't manage it. Because when you let it in, now it's going to imprison you. You let it in, now it's pulling you under slavery. You let it in, now all of a sudden the word says, or I mean that it's defined as it takes the lead. Now it's got the steering wheel, and it's going to determine where you're going to go. That's why we deal with this mess. All right, so with that said, we're going to go back to a text in Joshua 1, please. Hallelujah. I hope you got an ear to hear this. Amen. Uh, we, we looked at this uh, verse last week, and then we kind of off that, kind of spun off that, went down a different road, and um, I think we dealt with some things out of Psalms, uh, Psalms, uh, I believe it was 103, and is what we did last week. Uh, this week, I'm going to spend a little more time in the book of Joshua. Um, so Joshua 1, uh, what we have going on here is God is basically giving Joshua instructions, okay? You're going to go take the, this next generation in. You're going to cross the River Jordan. You're going to go in, and you're going to take the promised land. Moses is now gone, and so now it's your job. And so he, he addresses him to get him, uh, in a sense, confident, uh, uh, make sure he remains confident, maybe I should say, as a leader of this people, of the people of God, as the Israelites. And so Joshua 1, 9, he says this, Have I not commanded you? It's a command here. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? In other words, take courage here. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Praise God. And I think I touched on this briefly last Sunday. Um, that, you know, under the old covenant, that's, that's what you basically had. I will be with you, all right? I won't leave you, no for say, I'll be with you. But under the new covenant, we have more than a God that's with us. We have a God who's in us, and we're in Him, praise God. So that's the cool thing about what the new covenant's about, about a, a better covenant established on better promises, praise God. Jesus came, paid a price, amen, and part of that, part of the benefit of that was the fact that now he can take residence in us when we accept him, amen, and that we take residence in him, praise God. So it's more than just with us, amen, is my point. But let's define this a little bit. We did, I think, last week too, but we're going to do it again. 
the word afraid here. It says, be strong and have good courage. In other words, take courage. Amen. Do not be afraid. Okay, the word afraid means to be harassed or oppressed by fear. Okay, remember what we talked about fear. Okay, what's fear again? Okay, anxiety. It's worry. All right, it's, it's apprehension. It's panic. It's, it's insecurity. Okay, all right. Phobias, okay, all this fits into that, all right? So to be literally harassed or oppressed by fear, because it happens, all right? Now, this is going to come up more than once here today, all right? The next word, uh, uh, do not be afraid nor be, here we go, dismayed. The word dismayed means it's defined as to be beat down or browbeat, right, and discouraged by fear, okay? So now it's a little bit, maybe even a little bit more intense here to be beat down and discouraged by fear literally means to be terrorized, all right? So here comes terror, all right, to terrorize you, all right? Now, it's, uh, so it says here, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I want to bring your attention back up to the top of that verse. And it says this, okay, that have I not commanded you? This isn't a subtle suggestion. This isn't something God was just thinking, you know, this might be a good idea for you to think about. No, he said, I'm commanding you. Take courage and to be free from fear. You can't let it in. So this is part of our identity when you start looking at through the scriptures that we're to be a courageous people and we're, we're to be fear-free or free from fear. That's part of our identity. All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's see here. Let's do, um, let's do this. What we're going to do, um, we'll take a look at, through the book of Joshua. We have, uh, you know, the first few chapters here. Uh, they, you know, through a course of events, they, they cross the River Jordan, they head on in. Uh, they, the first city they come to is Jericho, um, and I think that's like around chapter 6. And uh, they go in, uh, and they do what God, uh, God leads them, uh, leads Joshua what to do. They follow uh, the plan, and it happens just the way God said. Now keep that in mind because that's going to come up more than once, Okay. So when you follow God, it works the way God says it works. If you're not going to hear from God, if you're not going to take time uh, to, to listen to God, if you're, not gonna, if you're not going to give an ear to God and then follow when he leads, there's going to be some trouble. But when you follow what he asks of you, when, he, when you follow what he leads, things work. So Jericho came down just the way he said it would because they followed uh, his instructions. All right. Then, of course, we know the story. A man by the name of Achan, okay, uh, decided uh, to not do what God had asked and to take some of the spoil of uh, Jericho, which God had specifically told him, you don't take any of the spoil out of Jericho. All right. Now, he does on the later cities. They can take all the spoil they want. But in Jericho, which really, to be honest to me, is a type of the tithe, you leave it alone, that's God's, amen. So anyway, that's another sermon. But the bottom line is, he said, leave it alone, don't touch it. But of course, Achan couldn't help himself, so he saw something shiny. All right, so he, he grabbed it and took it back to his tent. And of course, then they, they all, you know, they come to the next city, 
is where we're going to kind of pick up here. And uh, they, uh, they go into a city called Ai, okay, which, uh, by the way, only has about 12,000 people in it, okay? So they go to the next city thinking that, uh, you know, the, these men, they go, these leaders all kind of start uh, having a little conference uh, call, you know, and they begin to talk to each other about, you know what, uh, we, we'll go and take Ai, and we don't need everybody. We just need a few thousand uh, guys, and we're just going to go in and take AI and then, uh, uh, you know, just move forward. We don't know. No sense everybody else getting wore out. Uh, so they decide they're going to go do that. You notice they didn't take instruction from God. Okay, now they're going to pay a price for that, didn't they? So they come back with their tail between their legs. Thirty-six men lost their lives. And now it panics in the house. Here comes fear. Because, oh, my gosh. God, why doesn't God, uh, why didn't God do this for us? Where's God? How come this? I thought God told us to do that. Ah, shut up. That ain't what happened. All right, they didn't talk to God. If Joshua would have talked to God before they went to Ai, God would have told him what he needed to tell him. Because when Joshua started murmuring, griping, and complaining about God, wondering why God messed him over, God told him, stop your whining, stop your belly aching, you got sin in the camp. So he got an explanation. He found out that Achan did what he did. They went through that whole process. They eliminated the problem. All right. And then the next thing you know, it's time now to go back and take AI. All right. This is where we're taking up in the scripture here. In chapter 8 of Joshua, verse 1, and look at this. It says, now the Lord said to Joshua. Everybody say now. See, because now he said, in other words, right now, in other words, I'm giving you instruction. Now, now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Here we go again. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for all uh, the people of war with, uh, pardon me, take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I've given, uh, given Ai into your hand, and the king of Ai, that's, that's all, all this is necessary to be said here, his people, his city, and his land. Talking about the king, okay? And you shall do all uh, to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty. Amen. In other words, that's for you. For yourselves, uh, lay an ambush also for the city behind it. In other words, because there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to take off running out of the backside of the city. So lay an ambush in the backside too. So he says you got to go in and take the city. But you notice what he said First thing, okay, verse 1 again. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, all right, nor be dismayed, all right? So why why is he having to repeat that again? Because there's fear in the camp. There's fear in the camp because something didn't go right. Something didn't happen like they thought it was going to happen, all right? Now the Lord said, right, so meaning again, that, uh, you know, that he's trying to lead. So in other words, listen, right now, I'm telling you, this is how it's going to happen. See, if he would have went to God before they went to AI, God would have said, listen, uh, you're going to take AI, but before you do, I got somebody, you're going to have to deal with somebody in the camp because they did something they shouldn't have done. And right now, the bless, right now, the covering, the oop, the uh, oopah, the, the covering, all right, the hoompa. Okay, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it exactly right, but it just means the covering. Or we could even say the blessing. In other words, you've got no covering over you right now because there's sin in the camp. You did something you were told not to do. 
All right, now it's creating a problem. Now, God would have told him that if he would have asked. But he didn't. He waited and did, did what they thought. They thought, you know what, this is going to be a piece of cake. We're going to go in there and just take it. Who cares? We're just going and doing. In the meantime, you know, maybe you got a little bit too big for your britches or something. I don't know what the problem was, but you thought you were too big for God or something. And really, you know, you'd ask people, you know, you know do you think you're too big for God? They would, they would, it, there ain't a Christian out there who wouldn't say, oh, no, no, God, no, God's all powerful. God's all knowing. God's all this. God's all that. You know, he's, he, uh, you know, he's, he's our all in all. But, but we go along and still what happens is we don't stop long enough and acknowledge him. We don't stop and hear. We go ahead and move along with life as usual like any other time. We run uh, our families the way we always do. We conduct business the way we always do. We, we live, get up. We got our little, our little, uh, uh, you know, way of doing things. You know, we're all creatures of habit. So we all have this and, and we don't take the time. And then all of a sudden we come to that moment, that day of pressure, because something now is falling apart or something isn't happening like we thought it should. You know, all of a sudden uh, something bad's happened or the thought or the threat of something bad happening, kind of what's going on right now out there. Okay, the threat of all this stuff happening to you. So all of a sudden now we find out where you're at because you're not fully formed. And it really comes down to this. Uh, you know, you're not taking the time to let God empower you, grace you, instruct you. Uh, give you insight about something, maybe show you ahead of time what to avoid. The Word says He'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler. But if nobody comes under that secret place, nobody comes under His wing and begins to hear it, then you walk right into that trap, and next thing you know, you're, you're caught in a trap, and you're trying to get a miracle now to get out of it. And the whole time, God wanted to show you ahead of time how to avoid it. Now, that's the facts. That's how this stuff works. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. That's what he, that's what he does. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. That's what he does. So it pays for you to connect with the giver of life so we don't give the taker of life opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I'm excited anyway. Hallelujah. So... We go a little bit further on into this chapter. They go in, chapter 8 of Joshua again. Uh, they go in, take Ai, and uh, they basically, uh, you know, do what God's asked them to do. So in verse, uh, I'm going to go to, I'm not sure, probably about verse 26, I think. Verse 25 says that the 12,000 fell. Uh, uh, all the people of Ai who died uh, were killed. And it says, verse 26, For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all of the inhabitants of Ai. Now somebody said, well, that's, that's horrible. I mean, that's like, wow, that's so aggressive, you know. But you got to understand, remember verse 1? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Remember, too, that all that happens in the Old Covenant are types and shadows for you and me. We learn, we glean. What's going on? Fear is in the camp. We got to deal with fear. So the only way to do it is that we got to do this thing all to the 100% all the way. We can't, we can't just play patty cake with it. We ain't going to manage it. We're not going to cope it. We're going to deal it. We're going to take its head. All right? And the only way to do that is to do what, the, what God instructed them to do. Take them all out. 
And he said, only the livestock and the spoil, verse 27, of the city uh, Israel took as booty for themselves according to the word of the Lord which he had commanded him, right? So Joshua, verse 28, burned Ai, literally burned it. Burned Ai to the ground and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. Literally, to this day, it's a heap, okay? And the, and the king of Ai, it says here, he hanged him on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun went down, Joshua commanded that they take down the, the corpse of the king. And they, now, get a hold of this, okay? There's always, there's always a reason to mention the king. We're taking the head. We're taking the, we're, in a sense, we're taking the head of the snake off. Taking the head of the serpent off. All right? The one that's in charge, the one that's the authority. We're dealing with that. We're not playing patty cake with it. Amen. So he took the corpse down, and it says, cast it into the entrance of the gate of the city, and then raised over it a great heap of stones, and that remains, it says, to this day. The point is making a point, that thing that you were fearful of. See, there was fear in the camp because, because when they went forward, it didn't happen the way they thought they sh that it should. So now all of a sudden, there's, there's no longer uh, confidence. There's some hesitation now because there's still a little piece of them that think, well, you know, why didn't God have my back? Why did God allow this to happen? I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. It was that guy Aiken that messed up. That guy did wrong. I didn't do, so how come, so pretty soon what happens now, all these questions start coming. Here comes uh, the anxiety. Here comes the worry. Here comes the panic. Here comes the apprehension. Here comes uh, the insecurity. And that's why he says we got to take it completely out. That will never be a problem again. The city II will never be a problem again. So we can now look at that in the area of fear. If we deal with that thing and take its head off, it will no longer be able to imprison you, put you in bondage, bring you under slavery, take the steering wheel from you again because we deal with it 100%. We don't cope with fear. We conquer fear. Hallelujah. A little intense, isn't it? Amen. But I think this is the way it works. So what happened after that? Well, uh, to make a, a long story longer, hallelujah, um, we got now... Um, the next coming cities have realized and recognized what the Israelites have done, what they did to Jericho and what they've now done to Ai. So we've got about five or six kings here. I think it's actually five of them that bring, uh, they come together and, and, and they, they form a, a, a united bond uh, to, with each other, this kind of this thing where they bring all their armies together and they decide that the only way that we're going to beat this this group of people, these Israelites, is if we come together, we band together, and then we do war against them as a team. If we don't do this, we're all doomed. Okay, so they decide they're going to do this. Well, Gibeon, uh, the Gibeonites, uh, they saw what God, what, what the Israelites' God did to Jericho. They saw what happened to Ai, and they thought it doesn't matter how many of these uh, communities come together, bind, uh, bound together uh, to, to form some kind of an alliance, uh, it ain't going to help. So they decided, you know what, you know, we only have one, we have only have one answer, one, op or one option for us, and that is to somehow or another 
come into a place of covenant with Israel. Okay? So what they did, now this, remember, Gibeon is just kind of over the hill. I mean, they're just like a town away or something, you know. They're just around the bend, so to speak. So they send some men that are dressed up in rags, all like they and dirt on them, and they put moldy food in their bag and, and try to make it look like they came from a long, long journey, you know, a long, long place away, whatever. And so they come in uh, into the camp of Israel and saying that, you know, we've heard of you from afar. And we, we believe in what you're doing and, and the God that you serve. And we want to we wanna covenant with you. And again, what happened? Joshua forgot to talk to God. Oh, my gosh. You'd think he'd learned, right? Uh, we're talking about, man, this is stuff he learned from the get-go. And praise the Lord, he learned it from the get-go. Hallelujah. Now, if you, you know, really just for whatever it's worth, I thought it was at least worthy of mentioning, when, uh, when they finally took care of Ai, do you know from there on, there's 31 consecutive victories. They never lost one more time. 31 consecutive victories. Now, I don't care what team you're on. If you can have 31 consecutive victories, you're doing pretty good. Well, hallelujah. Here we are now. Uh, these Gibeonites have come to Joshua, and they want to make a covenant with Joshua. Joshua didn't uh, consult with God. He just went ahead and did it. Well, what happened then is these Gibeonites now have made enemies with these other kings, these other communities uh, that are around them. And so the, because they didn't join forces with them, instead they came into covenant with, with, uh, with the Israelites. So what happened was, and these other kings now formed a band. They said, I'll tell you what, since we're going to have to be, we're going to fight together against Israel, let's take Gibeon out first. So they decided they're going to war. They're going to take out, uh, eliminate Gibeon, Okay. So the Gibeonites were all fearful. So they call on Joshua. And they said, hey, uh, covenant brother, uh, uh, you're, you're, uh, we're in covenant with you. Uh, what's yours is ours. What's ours is yours. And because of that, okay, uh, you are to come to our defense and protect our city. Well, of course, by this time now, uh, Joshua realized he's been duped. Okay, he's been deceived. But because of the covenant, which is a whole other sermon, but I'm telling you, the covenant's a powerful thing. So because of the covenant, Joshua uh, and, and the army of God go to defend Gibeon, okay? So anyway, uh, this actually, during this time, uh, during this time is when the miracle of the sun's standing still, okay? And uh, so quite a, quite a miraculous thing uh, that, that happened there uh, just because of a covenant that the children of Israel had with really a deceptive city or a deceptive people. But regardless, it was a covenant, and a covenant is a covenant. And so he goes in and protects them, and of course, they, uh, they, go, to, they go to do war. And of course, these five kings and, uh, and uh, uh, their armies uh, that are left anyway uh, start retreating. They're starting to run. So these five kings who have bound together, uh, you know, come together. These five kings find a place to hide. They all hide in this cave, okay? Well, Joshua uh, gets informed that they're in this cave, so they, they basically they barricade the cave, and they go out and they take care of the rest of these armies and all the little ones that are out and about and, uh, you know, just went out and just eliminated them, just took them out of the picture, then came back. Now, this is where we're going to pick up, okay? Remember, we're talking about we don't cope with fear. We conquer it. All right, so what happens then, Joshua calls 
to the men of war and says uh, to bring these men out of that cave, all right? So here we are. We're now in chapter 10 in verse 24. So it was when, he, when they brought out those kings to Joshua, in other words, out of that cave, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him. So in other words, you got all the men, but then he, now he's specifically, he's telling all, all the men to come, come forward here, come, I, I want to show you something, I want to do something here, and then I want all my leaders of war, all my captains to come up here with me, right by me. All right? And he says, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Okay, now listen. Okay, again, it's all about something. We don't, we don't, we're not playing patty cake with anything. This is pretty serious business. So they, they eliminate the armies, but they got the five kings. They bring these kings, they lay them on the ground. And Joshua commands the leaders of the army to put, to put their feet over the neck of the kings. Okay, those in authority over those armies that came out against them. So they do exactly what he says. It's all, he could have just killed them, been done with it. Could have went into the cave, stabbed them all, you know, took their heads off, whatever. But no, he's making a point. And to me, this is what we learn. This is what we, this is what we have to glean. So you put your foot on the neck of that which is, had, had authority. Hallelujah. So he, they've got their foot now on the neck of the kings, and he says this again in verse 25 of chapter 10. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Hallelujah. In other words, I don't want no more of this uh, fear business. No more being harassed and oppressed by fear. No more being beat down and browbeat and discouraged by fear. No more terrorized. No, we're not going to be terror. We're not going to be, we're not going to let fear in. We're going to deal with it. He said, be strong and have good courage. Amen. Again, part of your identity, a courageous people. Free from fear, hallelujah, for thus the Lord will do, here we go, thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Now this is where it starts, this is where we start getting to our main point. And we're already what, two-thirds into this thing? Hallelujah, but here it is, this is what it comes down to. Your enemies, your fight. That's what he said. It's your enemies and it's your fight. It's your fight. You can't, you can't conquer what you don't confront. What you won't resist won't desist. If you don't resist it, it won't flee. If you don't confront it, you'll never conquer it. So he said, it's your fight. These are your enemies, and it's your fight. You got to deal with it. And that's never changed. We've brought up many times over the, uh, the years that there's two major things that God will never do for the, children, for the children of God. There's two things He won't. He won't receive for you, and He won't resist for you. That's your business. You're the one that receives, 
See, it's your faith that gets things. It was by their faith that they received. See, it was their faith. Amen. It's you receiving, and it's you that has to resist. If you don't resist, the enemy won't flee. And if he don't flee, then he goes in, and pretty soon, next thing you know, he's got the steering wheel. Next thing you know, he's dictates, controlling your household. So you, it's your, it's your enemy, and it's your fight. And that's what he's trying to get across to these men, all right? So you, no, no opportunity for fear here, all right? Hallelujah. You got to see yourself. Now, please hear this. It says that they put their foot on the necks of these kings, all right? What it is, you got to see yourself putting your foot on the neck of your enemy. And in this case, what we're dealing with it primarily is fear. You got to put your foot on it. Now, uh, Romans 16 and 20 says, and the God of peace will crush, uh, uh, crush Satan under your feet. It's under your feet. Ephesians 1 brings out the fact that, that the enemy is under the feet. He says, uh, Jesus is the head, you are the body, and the enemy is under your feet. That's why the word says, neither give him place, it says in Ephesians 4. You can't give him place. Keep him under your foot. That's where he belongs. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Keep him under your feet. Hallelujah. I put down a verse here. I thought this was worthy of, of um, uh, you know, just kind of what jumped at me this morning as I was putting uh, some of this together. Uh, um, Nehemiah 4 brings out when uh, Nehemiah was uh, addressing um, uh, you know, the, the, the people in the city. as You know, they're here. They're going to build the, re, rebuild the walls around uh, the city. And uh, he addresses them. And he says, do not be afraid of them. That's what he said. He's talking about their enemies because they're all fearful. If we start building on the wall, you know, they're going to come and they're going to attack us and all. He says, do not be afraid of them. You got to fight fear. Do not be afraid of them. Hallelujah. And then he goes on. He said, you got to fight for your brethren. You got to fight for your sons and your daughters. You got to fight for your wives. You got to fight for your houses. So he's saying, listen, you got to fight uh, uh, for, for your church. You got to fight for your families. You got to fight even for your possessions. Because wherever you let the enemy in, he's taken because that's what he does. You, you, can't, you can't manage that. You can't cope with that. You got to deal with that. You got to put your foot on his neck. And that's what uh, Nehemiah was trying to bring out uh, uh, to the, the people of the city, that if you don't all rise up and deal with this, you're going to be back in the same boat again in a matter of minutes. All right, praise God. Now, I wanted to, uh, back in Joshua 10, you notice he said he told those, the captains uh, of, of the army there, um, he said, come near and put your feet. In other words, you got to come. You have to move forward. You have to approach, okay? You've got to make movement, okay? Now, that to me, it just... Um, what, 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 what rings in my uh, spirit is I remember when David was facing Goliath, all right? And actually prior to that, uh, David made a statement to the king. Of course, we're cutting through a bunch of stuff here, but uh, he said to the king, he said, uh, do not be afraid. Tell, I mean, uh, you know, he's telling 
telling King Saul this, you know, let no man's, I think he says it like this, let no man's heart fail him. I think is how he words it, something like that. Uh, or let no man's heart fail, fail them because of, because of, of, of uh, Goliath, because of the giant. So in other words, he's saying he's dealing with fear. Let no man f- be fearful here. In other words, I've come to save the day. Amen. Hallelujah. So let no man, uh, let no man uh, fear uh, because of this enemy, praise God. He says, your servant's going to go and fight for him. Amen. I think that's in uh, 1 Samuel 17, and I, like verse 32 or something like that. And then later on, he says, I think it's like at verse 36, he says that your servant uh, has killed both the lion and the bear. And he says this about, about the Philistine. He says, this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he's, 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 he's not even of the covenants of God. He's an enemy. And he said, this uncircumcised Philistine is going to go down like that lion or that bear did. It ain't going to be any different. Okay, now you kind of jump ahead again. And now David is now facing Goliath. Okay, and Goliath, you know, begins to run his mouth. Now, please just hear this. I, just, you know, something I just, uh, you know, that came to me. Uh, today, and I just thought maybe it'd be worthy of uh, looking at this or kind of seeing it maybe in a different light. And, and so uh, the, uh, let me get turned to it here so, so, so I don't misquote it to you. Okay, so now you get down to like verse, uh, what is it, 43 or something like that. So this, the enemy now is, of course, looking, seeing David. He's all taken back because they sent some kid to him. And verse 43 says this to David. Now listen, it says, So the Philistine said to David. So he's talking now. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Words, you're coming, but you're, you're just some little. And, and the Philistine cursed David by his God. Okay, the Philistine said to David again, right? Okay, okay, okay. You come to me. Now hang on to this now. Remember, uh, uh, Joshua told those, those uh, captains to come. Come up here. Okay, you got to make some movement. Now, the, now here the enemy's trying to say, okay, come to me, because he's got no, he doesn't think there's any way that this young little David, this young teenager, is going to have any kind of uh, any kind of power over him, right? Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, for whatever it's worth, verse 44 is the last that we hear the Philistine talking. Now he's egging on David to come. Okay, well, David has an answer. And David said to the Philistine, now David's going to do the rest of the talking. Okay, all right, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. Okay, in other words, okay, enemy, okay, so, so far you're, you're running your mouth and you're coming at me with your abilities, with your strength, whatever, okay, your, your weaponry, Okay, it could be anything, okay? It could be, it could be manipulation, deception, whatever the enemy brings your way. In this case, what we're dealing with here is fear. So the enemy, you come at me with your fear, okay? But I'm coming to you. I'm going to put my foot on your neck, all right? I come to you, here we go, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled or whom you've defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses. You notice he's getting pretty cocky now. Talk about boldness. Talk about confidence. Here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all of you down, the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth, that, pardon me, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is his, right? The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And of course, David then ran after him. Now my point is this. David could have sat back there, kept talking to Saul, saying, listen, don't worry. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll take care of this. And you notice that, 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 that lion devil kept, kept coming Every day, morning and evening, for 40 days, kept running his mouth. And you notice he didn't shut up until somebody came to him. Somebody went and did. Somebody got in the fight. Somebody decided to face him. For 40 days, that chump ran his mouth. For 40 days, all right, he verbally belittled the men of God, the army of the Lord, until somebody faced it. And that's no different than today, until you face it. So I'm asking you to face your fear, deal with it. And if you're lacking, if you're struggling, that's why you get perfected in love. That's why you, you get yourself anchored. And who, who you are and who your God is. And that a God, amen, that's so in love with you that would never, would never turn his back on you. Find out who you are and get yourself anchored in love. Amen. Who you are in him and who he is in you. That's how this works. Amen. So, of course, David takes out the enemy. Amen. Deals with him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, so what I've, what I've got here, I'm just going to wrap things up here. Um, you know, the scriptures are pretty clear about some different things. Um, Colossians 1 brings out, it says that we've been delivered, past tense. We've been delivered, okay, uh, from the power of darkness. From literally, the word power there is exousia, okay? It, it's, it's a, it means authority or jurisdiction of darkness. In other words, we've been already delivered from that. So darkness, so we could say it this way, fear has no, according to God, has no jurisdiction over you. Has no authority over you. All right? So that's why you got to get yourself uh, complete in Him because once you get a revelation, amen, once you get yourself complete in this, fully formed in this, see, until you get yourself settled that if God said fear has no place, then fear has no place. Fear is still going to dictate, going to lie, going to manipulate, going to pull your strings, going to kick you when you ain't looking. He'll knock you down and keep kicking you. He'll run you over the bus, back the bus back over you. He'll keep doing whatever he can until somebody said enough is enough and then puts their foot on his neck. James 4, as we, we've mentioned it earlier, uh, says to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Amen. And it goes on to say to draw near to him, and then he draws near to you, talking about God. 
Now, the point is this, that it first starts, as we found out with Joshua's life, it first starts with submitting ourselves to God. Take the time to hear God, connect, acknowledge God. Let God then lead you in the area of your resistance. Because the idea is to get some victories, to get some successes. So you're not wavering in your confidence, in your boldness, in your faith. All right? So uh, God will lead you in things. There are different things he'll do. He may tell you to, uh, the word even says in 1 John, that the one that keeps himself or guards himself, it says the wicked one can't even touch him. So what that's talking about, there might be things in your life that the Spirit of God says, okay, adjust this, change this. Okay, that's what it talks about, keeping yourself, guarding oneself. In other words, you're looking at your life uh, and letting God say, all right, uh, maybe stop doing that or do more of this or let's, uh, let's do this instead, whatever. That the, when you're submitting yourself to Him, it says that the evil one can't even touch you. Why did it, you know, the Word says that the evil one couldn't even touch Jesus had nothing on him, couldn't do anything to him until Jesus was ready to lay down his life because the word says that Jesus didn't do anything unless he heard the Father. Uh, he didn't say anything unless he heard the Father say it, didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it. He did exactly what the Father told him to do. And every time he did that, it happened exactly like the Father told him it would. That's no different for you and me. That's why we can do the same works, amen, or maybe even greater works in these uh, than, than what Jesus did just because of the fact that we're willing to submit ourselves like he did and, 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 and follow God, amen? So God could talk to you about keeping yourself. He could be talking to you about casting your cares on the Lord. Okay, sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes, you know, we, we get worried and anxious. Uh, we let cares in, and pretty soon that care puts you under bondage. He says, cast those cares on him. And then he goes on to say, be sober and vigilant. In other words, don't come under the influence of anything. Be watchful. And that's what he's talking about. Don't let, don't let cares dictate. And it says he comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, he doesn't have to devour you. And he's just, he's just a toothless uh, you know, enemy. The word says that the, the teeth of the enemy have been knocked out. And so uh, he's a toothless uh, you know, a being that's just trying to roar like a lion to somehow intimidate you. But if, if intimidation can't get you, if fear can't get to you, because you've cast your cares on him, then he, he has got no place. All right, that's one thing. Ephesians 6 brings out the fact uh, that there's uh, 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 the armor of God. He might tell you, put on the armor of God. There could be a, it could be that you're not, you don't have the whole armor on. He says if you put the whole armor on, you can resist the enemy. So it could be, you, you need to get your armor on. Okay, these are things he could talk to you about. First Timothy 6 says talk to, he might talk to you about your confession. You confess the good confession. Okay, so in other words, a covenant acknowledgement. Uh, he may talk to you about your mouth. Listen, if, if you, could, you could hear that the fact that you're an overcomer all day long and a conqueror, okay, but if you're going to talk uh, every other minute about how you can't overcome or you can't conquer or you can't do, well, then your mouth now is hurting you. So I guarantee you when you submit yourself to God that he's probably going to talk to you about your mouth. You got to get your mouth working for you and not against you. Now, again, I'm talking about all kinds of ways of resisting your enemy. You got to do this. This is your part. It's your enemy and it's your fight. Now, God will help you and lead you and guide you. But it's still your enemy, and it's your fight. you got to do this. All right? He could talk to you about the blood, using the blood. Out of Revelation 12, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb, 
the word of their testimony and loving not their lives even unto death. He could talk to you about communion. Take communion. Some people just settle it with communion. 1 Corinthians 11 brings that out. Amen. Just, uh, you know, take communion. It could be that's all you need is get something settled. Get your mind, get your soul anchored. Okay? So the blood and the, and the body, you just get some things anchored. He could talk to you about in the name. Use the name. In the name, we cast out demons, right? In his name, his character, his, his authority. We're, we're standing uh, with, with that in, in, in our disposal. That's like weaponry. These are like weapons in, your, in, your, in your, uh, uh, your belt. You know, these are like tools in a tool belt. They're weapons in a, uh, your sheath. You know, this is your sword, praise God, so to speak. Hallelujah. The Word talks about effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availing much in James 5. So he could tell you, man, you stay a little bit locked in, man. Finish something. Get, you know, stay in prayer until you get, you get the release. Uh, you know, uh, you know just, just that in itself. How many people give up? They just pray a little bit, pray a little, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Or, or they just think because they prayed over their food a little bit uh, that, you know, they, they've somehow got, uh, you know, prayer working for them. I mean, you, you gotta, the word says effectual fervent prayer. All right. So sometimes he might talk to you about your prayer life. He could be talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20 talks about praying or building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Right. So sometimes just pray in the spirit. Luke 6 talks about rejoicing and leaping for joy. That was one of the greatest things that happened to me early on in ministry. I had a breakthrough that that in Luke 6 that that set me free. I was dealing with something, all right, that was come, trying to come on me. In all honesty, it was really it was a fear thing. Uh, when you break it down, I mean, there's no other way to look at it. It's, it just it just tried to disguise itself as something else, but it really was a fear thing. It was all fear thoughts and fear tactic. And as a result of it, God just showed me what to do. Just begin to rejoice and then to leap for joy. Literally, physically leap for joy and rejoice. And I got my breakthrough that I was, I was dealing with something for literally about three-year period that I got my breakthrough in a matter of hours because I followed him when he led me to do it. And another thing I think is good is giving thanks. We see places like 1 Thessalonians 5 and many others that just deal with, we have, that's old covenant, new covenant. Just the power of giving God thanks. When the enemy comes at you, you just start giving God thanks. Amen. Start giving God praise. Start giving God thanks. Start leaping for joy. Amen. We talked about last week a little bit about laughter and how it, uh, laughter can, can literally silence your enemy. Praise God. I mean, these are things that you can do. All right. But it's your enemy. And it's your fight. And you have got to uh, go to God, get direction, get clarity, and then resist your enemy. You know, for whatever it's worth, I'll maybe close it with this. You know, these thoughts, that's how the enemy works, you know, especially in the area of fear. Here comes fear thoughts, fear-based thoughts that, you know, want get you to be insecure and, and uh, to want to quit and want to give up or, you know, tuck tail and run. And, and, uh, but you have to understand that, you know, the reason that we deal with, the reason that today we're, we're pretty intense about this, and maybe I'm too intense, maybe I lost half of you just because of, intensity here but um, it's your fight and if you don't get in a fight he wins he keeps taking and so my my thought on this was about thoughts themselves about fear-based thoughts one fear-based thought if you, if you let it go undealt with that's why he says cast down those vain imaginations 
you know, uh, you know, bring down that thing that tries to elevate itself or exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And all of you look it up, there is nothing about that that some mild-mannered, uh, you know, weak uh, type of deal. It is very aggressive. It is very in the face of the enemy when, you, when it comes time to dealing with thoughts. And so in, in context, what we're dealing with here about fear-based thoughts, when one fear-based thought taps in or bumps into another fear-based thought, they have puppies, all right? So you got to deal with it so that it doesn't breed and have more problems, all right? That's why we, we put that thing, that's why he, he said, put your foot on their neck. Take off its head. Every bit of that, that's why, we're, that's why it's so aggressive because you got to have, you got to see yourself taking the head or putting your foot on the neck of your enemy. And then this, in this text, we're dealing with fear, praise God. So I hope that today that uh, you got something out of this. Hope that you had an ear to hear it. Uh, hopefully there's some things you gleaned today. Uh, if anything, at least cause you to stand up, praise God, and take authority over these, over these things. Um, so anyway, I appreciate you listening in, praise God. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, I give praise and glory right now. Thank you once again for these principles, for these truths. Thank you, Lord God. We walk free from fear. We walk free from the torment of that mess. We walk free from the bondage of that mess. We're not just going to cope. We're going to conquer, praise God. And Father, I give you praise and glory for it right now that this people had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and again, that you opened the eyes of our understanding today giving us clarity so that we can see things like we're supposed to, the way you were meant to see it. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here, uh, obviously, and you're watching and listening, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm encouraging you, all right, receive him today. The Word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Word says that if you, uh, if you, uh, believe in your heart that God raised him from the, that raised Christ from the dead, and that uh, you you confess with your mouth Him as Lord. The word says, "For with the heart one believes unto righteousness; with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." I mean, what it is is you got to get something real in the heart and something real coming out your mouth. Praise God, Hallelujah! And so I'm asking you, praise God, to receive what Christ has done for you. Believe it, receive it in your heart, Amen. And then begin to confess it out your mouth that Jesus is my Lord, that Jesus is my King. So I'm asking you right now just to uh, pray out loud with me wherever you're at and just say this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Make me that new creation in Christ. Lord, take every part of my life and do something supernatural with it. I believe in my heart that you've been raised from the dead. I believe in the price that you paid. And I'm confessing out my mouth right now that you are truly my Lord, my King, my Savior. Praise God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, that every bit, all this mess is under the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we're redeemed. Thank you, praise God, that we're accepted in you. We receive that and we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Now, again, if you've done that for the first time, man, contact us. Let us know you did that. Amen. Let us hear from you. Praise God. Again, we're so blessed that uh, around the world right now, we, uh, we've got uh, all kinds of nations out there. I think uh, last I heard over 125 nations that somebody at least somewhere in those nations are listening or watching, praise God.
So whether you're from Australia, you're in Germany or the UK, or whether you're uh, from Japan, Japan or China, or whether you're uh, you know from the states. I think we said right, uh, found out we're over 40 states in in this nation alone are somewhere. Somebody's listening in. Somebody's watching. Amen. And so if you're from, uh, I don't care what, you know, you're from Texas or you're from uh, Nebraska or you're from, uh, you know, uh, uh, South Dakota or wherever you're from, hallelujah. Let us know if, if, if we're being a blessing to you, praise God. Let us know if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life for the first time. Uh, let, us, let us know. Email us. Let us know what's going on, praise God. We'd love to hear from you, praise God. And we'd love to pray with you. Amen. Call you blessed. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.